Ready to do Proverbs, 31 chapters, one hour, here we go. You know, what, what, what was the, uh, some race today? Daytona. Yeah, this is going to feel like Daytona. Your own personal Daytona. It'll be fun. It'll be good. We'll do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for including an entire book on wisdom that covers so many topics. Um, there's wisdom in here for us. Uh, would you continue to remind us of this book and of different Proverbs and speak to us and help us to, to hear you and to take it in and to uh, live as you've told us to live. Uh, we love you and we thank you for your teaching tonight. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs. So Proverbs is the book of wisdom. If the Bible were still being written today, here are some Proverbs that might make it in. He who laughs last thinks slowest. The early bird may get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese in the trap. A clear conscience is usually the sign of a bad memory. If you think nobody cares, try missing a couple of payments. Hard work pays off in the future. Laziness pays off now. <laughs> oh, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. <laughs> Never hit a man with glasses. Hit him with a baseball bat. <laughs> Inside every older person is a younger person wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> Sound travels slowly. Sometimes the things you say when your kids are teenagers don't reach them until they're in their 40s. <laughs> Money can't buy happiness, but somehow it's more comfortable to cry in a Corvette than in a Yugo. <laughs> Oh, golly. Those are funny. You know, you ask, so what is, what is wisdom? Uh, for the Hebrews, wisdom, so think of a, um, what should we think of? Uh, think of a sailor, maybe in a smaller kind of a boat, not necessarily a, a gigantic one, although certainly that too. But think of a a, a yeah, a sailor, and this person has been through various, um, when it's calm, when it's stormy, maybe they've been doing it for 30 or 40 years, you know, they see something roll in, they're not really caught off guard because they've seen most everything. That's wisdom, that's skill. Skill in, so they're skilled in piloting a boat. Um, there's other things you're skilled at uh, in your various 
workplaces or whatever, if you've been doing it for a while, you're skilled. You know how to do it. You can see the younger people come in and they struggle around because they don't have the skill, the wisdom in doing that role like you have. So for the Hebrews, wisdom is skillful living. Uh, Miguel Cervantes says this about Proverbs. He says, these are short sentences drawn from long experience. That's really good. Short sentences drawn from long experience. That's what wisdom is. What's been collected here are uh, at least Solomon and Lemuel and Agar, their wisdom of what they've observed, etc., has been compiled into this book of Proverbs. It's to help us live wisely, live skillfully, navigating things that we might not have navigated, learning from those who've gone before us, who've lived long lives, who have great wisdom and insight, and they've written little, short, pithy sentences to help us along our way. For those of you who took the challenge, well done reading 31 chapters of Proverbs from last week. Congratulations. Well done. I'm proud of you. For the rest of you, I hope you had a raisin cake. <laughs> the basics, Solomon, Agur, and King Lemuel uh, wrote these according to the superscription. Super is above sub. Right, subscript is below. Superscription is what starts. And so these kings and wise men seem to have at least collected these things. Uh, they're generally accepted. The book of Proverbs is generally accepted to be around 700 B.C. in its final form. Now Solomon lived from, this will be on the final. Mm, good, good. Yeah, so like 970 to 930 is when he reigned, and so it's a couple hundred years after that that everything was put together. Where was it written? Probably in Jerusalem. In general, Proverbs puts expression to a prior confession that God is Lord of all. This is a book written by believers about believers. Does that make sense? No? Okay. It puts expression. What does faith in action look like? That's what Proverbs is talking about. Faith in action. You've already said, I've trusted the Lord and I'm walking with him. What does faith in action look like? 31 chapters worth of pithy helps. A proverb is chiefly a principle. Uh, it's something that is generally seen or learned to be true from God's point of view, but isn't necessarily a promise. You say, okay, 
chapter 3 of Proverbs, first two verses. My child, or my son, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. You know people, and so do I, who have been marvelous Christ followers, and for some reason, this was not a promise in their life. They did not live an extraordinarily long number of years. For some, their lives, in fact, were cut very short. So these are not promises. They are principles. Principles that are true, but not necessarily a promise that you could say, but Lord, you said if I believed and followed your word, you'd give me long life. That's a generally true statement, but it's not a promise. Now, some of them carry more of a force of a promise, and I had never thought about this before, but I'm, I'm in my doctoral orals, so you have to take an oral exam to get into the program, which is a lot of fun <laughs> to have three guys who know like 400 times more than you ask you questions. And they're really good at asking questions. They know how to walk you down the limb. And the next thing you hear is <laughs> You hear the limb being sawn off behind you. So one of, one of the fellas asked me, he said, um, are you familiar with Proverbs 22.6? And I said, I am. And he said, what is it? I said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And he said, principle or promise? It's a principle, generally true, but not a promise. And so I gave him that answer. And he said, you know, there are certain principles that when they align up with God's character so much, they basically carry the force of a promise. And he said, in his opinion, that was an example of one that he would take as a promise. So generally, Proverbs are principles. There might be a few that could actually take on the force of a promise, but generally speaking, they are principles. Generally true, and uh, generally somewhat... um, ones you and I wouldn't disagree with. You'd say, yep, that's right, you know, and we'll talk about some of those. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. You want a list of the promises. I don't have that list. He didn't give me his list of what he thought were promises versus principles, but I thought that was interesting. He, he wanted to nuance the whole principle thing and make it a promise, sometimes, not all the time. So that's why Laurie put that in there. She said, Bill will explain to you, is it a principle or is it a promise? Bill has told you it's a principle. And sometimes it'll take on the force of a promise. But I'd, I'd start with principle for sure, not start with promise. The purpose of Proverbs. Uh, fortunately, Solomon tells us what their purpose is. Verse 2, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. 
to help them understand the insights of the wise. So why Proverbs? So that we can learn from the wise. Verses 3 and 4, to live a life disciplined by wisdom. To be enriched by gaining wisdom. Verses 5 and 6. To build a life upon the solid foundation of Father Knows Best. Remember that old TV show, Father Knows Best? Well, this is a capital F. <laughs> Father. <laughs> God our Father does know what's best. The point of all this is the wise take God into account in every decision. Fools, on the other hand, do not. The wise take God into account in every decision. Fools, on the other hand, do not. Big contrast between the wise and the, the between wisdom and foolishness, between the wise and the fool. And there's various levels we'll talk about of, of the fool. So what do I want you to do as a result of studying Proverbs? I want you to walk this way. Walk this way. 31 chapters of walk this way. This is how we're to walk. How do you put faith in action? 31 chapters that help us to walk this way. It's interesting if you had the opportunity to read it, and I know you've, many of you have read it before, uh, at least the first parts, the first mm, 10 chapters, who does Solomon seem to be writing to? Yeah, it seems his son, you know, maybe you want to broaden that out to his child, but, it, you know, he says, my son, listen to what I'm telling you, right? So many people think, well, maybe this was sort of like uh, school, school instruction, School curriculum, where son in this case means student. Okay, I, I got no problem with that. But it probably means <laughs> his son <laughs> or his sons. And it was probably used in the home. Why? Because Proverbs is helping the son or the sons or the sons and daughters, the people in his household, go from living under their own roof... Remember back in Deuteronomy? No? If you were here in Deuteronomy, remember you don't get to forget anything? Deuteronomy 6? Okay. Well, anyway, you can look that one up. You're going to start in your home. You're supposed to talk about God when you're standing up, when you're sitting down, when you're lying down, when you're coming in, when you're going out. God is just supposed to be part of the conversation of your home. So you, we were all born under our parents of, of some variety, roof. And so we lived in their home. What is it that Proverbs is helping a son or daughter living under their parents' roof? What is it helping them do? It's helping them begin to build friends and begin to help them live in this world so that they're essentially going from under their parents' roof as they continue to grow and mature, not just in age, but in wisdom, and they take on their own roof, right? Going from their parents' roof, they wind up under their own roof. They know how to live a godly life. So Proverbs is helping me build a bridge from my parents' home to my own home. Okay, it's tracking. Come on. 
they meant to help me in character, conduct, relationships, work. There's hardly a topic that you will encounter from your own home going, uh, from your parents' home going out to your own home. There's hardly a topic not addressed to get you from here. What kind of friends should you associate with? What kind of friends should you not associate with? And we're hit pretty early on with a bad example, right? Don't associate with friends like that. And then it's out here. There's a bigger world than just your friends, your, your neighborhood, your town. There's this big world out here. How do you get along out here? And so there's proverbs that deal with, with the work, the, the workplace, the world. Just how do you deal with people out there? So Proverbs is helping the son or daughter move from their parents' roof to their own roof, navigating that path through wisdom. And so 31 chapters worth of these things. The first 10 chapters, interestingly, is sort of like a story. So there's a story of Proverbs. The story is a son's journey down life's path. Where is he going? He's going from his father's house to beginning to set up his own house. So he's on a journey. There's a destination to reach, life, blessing, and godliness. But there are dangers along the way. There are two women, wisdom and folly, Constantly calling out to passing pilgrims. Wisdom calls out with life and blessing. Folly calls out with death and self-destruction. What does the son have to learn to do? He has to learn to hear wisdom's voice and follow wisdom's counsel. Unlike the fool, which... He wants to avoid in his journey. He doesn't want to uh, get connected with fools. The fool is dull and stubborn, pursuing his own course through life and feeling no need for wisdom, particularly the wisdom of God. He doesn't want to hang out with the simple. The simple one is naive. Lacking discernment. He's easily led astray by folly, stumbling into trouble. And he definitely wants to stay away from the mocker, who is haughty and self-confident. He directs his own life, even scoffing at God's wisdom, but eventually to his own self-destruction. The son must become wise. He has to listen to wisdom, learn from others, obey what he hears, store up what he learns, flee from folly and sin, watch his words, and work diligently at his job every day. Does that sound pretty good? Does that sound like a way to get a son or daughter from inside a house to... Establishing their own house? Sounds pretty good. 
They have to listen to wisdom, learn from others, obey what they hear, store up what they learn, flee from folly and sin, watch their words, and work diligently at their job every day. So that's the story in the first 10 chapters, is the son is going out on a journey, learning to listen to wisdom, as well as meeting a fool, someone who's simple, and a mocker, kind of like Jonathan talked today about the thieves on the cross have no names because we are to see ourselves in one of the two thieves. We're to put our own name on those thieves. In this thing, the fool, that's, that's their name. You don't want to hang out with fools. You don't want to hang out with the simple, and you definitely don't want to hang out with the mockers. You want to keep listening to wisdom, because she's calling out, and you've got to tune your ear to wisdom and listen and then follow what she says. She's going to lead you and guide you in the right way. So let's take a real close, or or, a real, uh, let's fly by uh, the first 10 chapters, or at least first nine. The benefits of wisdom. So we hear in cha- we read in chapter one of the benefits of wisdom, one thirty three. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or fear of harm. So that's a benefit of wisdom. Um, Let's see, 2-9, Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. How many times have you ever asked that question? I wonder which is the right way to go. Anybody ever ask you, I wonder which way I should go? Anybody ever ask that question? (laughs) Oh, Uh, Let's see, verse 12. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. Uh, Chapter, let's see, that's chapter 1 and 2. 2 through 4 is talking about wisdom and life, so I've kind of started moving into wisdom and life. How about 3, 5, and 6? You all know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So these are the benefits of of wisdom. How about this one? 29. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. Verse 30. Don't pick a fight without reason. Verse 31. Don't envy violent people. Why? Verse 32, such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. Uh, 4, 23 to 27, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Is that good godly counsel? (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, wisdom offers, in, in these chapters, wisdom offers protection, direction, righteousness, and safety. Chapters 5 and 7, what do folly and self-destruction offer? Chapter 5, verse 22, an evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are the ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. 6, 6 through 11, 6, 6 through 11. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Folly offers only condemnation, poverty, and death. Why would you want to follow folly? Chapter 8, so he keeps on working through this journey. Chapter 8, verse 1. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. She, she calls out to everyone, the simple, the foolish. And she says, listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There's nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. That's true wealth. Wisdom. Gaining wisdom is true wealth. Uh, let's see, 34 and 36. Joyful are those who listen to me watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. You want to pursue true wealth, you pursue wisdom. He says to his son, you need to pursue true life. And so in 9, let's see, 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So you want to pursue true life? You pursue wisdom. Wisdom is valuable. It brings joy, life, and favor. You want your paths directed by wisdom. You don't want to scorn wisdom because it'll come down on you and come back on your head, so to speak. And so Solomon is telling his son, or however they use this, that there are benefits 
of wisdom. Chapter 8, pursue true wealth, which has to do with obtaining wisdom. And then pursue true life, which is the course of pursuing wisdom. Who is wisdom in, in, in our day? Jesus. And what does he say about eternal life? Do you remember John 17? When he says to his disciples, and this is eternal life. Remember Jesus says this? And this is eternal life. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's wisdom. That's life. That's wealth. To know him. Jonathan talked about this morning uh, paradise being this special place. What makes it the most special? With Jesus. (laughs) With Jesus. That's what makes paradise so amazing. He makes it amazing. Uh, John 17. Chapter 10, then we move into, you can see the heading just changed. Like mine says, the Proverbs of Solomon. So the, the journey, the story through Proverbs has kind of come to an end. And now we're getting wisdom. We're just getting a collection of sayings from Solomon. And chapter 10 begins... The very first part of verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon. And he talks about a wise child brings joy to a father, a foolish child brings grief to a mother. And then he starts, we just have these pithy statements. Chapter 10 has insight into labor, prosperity, and wealth. Let me just read you a few. Uh, Verse 4, Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, verse 5, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. Let's see, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's kind of pithy, isn't it? Uh, 26. Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth Or smoke in the eyes. Isn't that good? Wouldn't you you wish that every son or daughter would read that? And say, wow, I don't want to be that person. That's not wise. Uh, Chapter 11 talks about the natures and destinies of the righteous and the wicked. So let me pull a few out of here. Chapter 11, the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. So he gives you some pithy statements for the righteous and the wicked. Here's one more, 17. Your, verse 17, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Whew. 
chapter 12, gaining discernment for dealing with others. Remember we talked about you leave your home, what, what are you confronted with? Relationships. And so there's a whole bunch of Proverbs about relationships. Here's just a few from chapter 12, um, 14 and 15. Wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings rewards. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. You ever run across a fool? Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Let's see, what was that, 12, 14, 15, 18, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Uh, 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Just gaining discernment for dealing with others. Uh, let's see. Let's look at 13. Uh, 13. Take note. Things aren't always as they seem. Chapter 13, verse 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Oh, that's funny. That's Hebrew humor right there. Verse 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Things aren't always the way they seem. 13. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. 18. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. You ever run across that? Don't everyone raise their hand. No, no, no hands raised. You ever, have you ever run across that? People who ignore criticism? Even, even critique, right? There's some, part, there's some positive as well as some need for change. If you're still employing people, do you know the people you want to employ? The people who come ask you how they can get better? They don't wait for you to come to them. They come to you and say, it's been a month since you've told me anything I could be working on. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, how about work on this? Thank you. They write it down and they go off and they start working on it. Those are great, great folks. That's the point of these few Proverbs. That was, let's see, chapter 13, 14. Oh, you'll love this one. This is really good. Chapter 14, important lessons with a little humor. 14, verse 4. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Huh? You go, what is this talking about? Well, let's assume it's talking about some relationships, perhaps work, because that's what a lot of these Proverbs are talking about. What is this proverb talking about? 
the ox does work. The ox in the stall who's doing work poops. You have to clean up his poop. Okay? Now, if there's no ox in the stall, there's no poop to clean up. But neither is there any work getting done. What does that mean? Every worker poops. And you got to clean some stuff up. It flips over when the poop you're cleaning up is greater than the work the ox is doing. Do you see why this is a proverb? <laughs> Short and pithy. You got to go, what are we talking about here? <laughs> if the stall is clean, there's no ox in it because there's no poop. Okay. But I need the work done. So if I get the work done, there's poop. But there's a good, this is a good ox. And he's doing good work. Guess what? There's still poop to clean up. Right? No, you're all shaking your head. No, there's not. Yeah, yeah, trust me, there is. Yeah, you'll get it figured out. Oh, this is funny. Important lessons with a little humor, chapter 14. Chapter 15, how the wise teach as well as how they receive instruction. So 15.5, only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. 22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. 33, fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. 16, remember this, God is sovereign. Chapter 16 has a lot to do with that, like 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. 17 through 19, truths about family life and relationships 17.9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Huh. <laughs> really? Have you ever experienced that one? Say no. 17.9, 18.24, let's read 18.24. There are friends who destroy each other but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Some of you have those, especially if you come from families that are outside of Christ. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are your family, and they stick closer to you than your own blood kin. Real friends stick closer than a brother. 1919... Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. Hmm. What does that one mean? What do I have to let a hot-tempered person do? I have to let them fail. I have to let them burn themselves up. Ah! 
if I rescue them once, I'll have to do it again. And if I do it long enough, right, in today's language, I could even move toward becoming an enabler of some kind, right? What do I, there are natural consequences. You blow up at everybody, guess what happens? Hopefully you'll learn <laughs> from this. Let's see, 1990, 20. Uh, 20 to 22, the first part of 22, warnings about making wrong decisions. 20 verse 4. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Oh, what's that decision about? <laughs> More natural consequences, right? Okay, uh, 21.3. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. Right, to obey is better than sacrifice. 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Remember, this is about warnings about making wrong decisions. So don't make, don't take shortcuts. Uh, let's see, 13, 13. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their, time, their own time of need. Wow. How does the Lord feel about the the poor, the widow, the orphan. He even feels that same way in the New Testament. <laughs> How does he feel toward these people? He has great compassion on them. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. 22, 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Hopefully the simpleton learns from the prudent person and makes some plans the next time. Uh, let's see, 23. Uh, then the second half of 22 through 24, 22, 29 is wisdom for successful living. 22:29 Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. You ever seen that? In in your workplaces? 23:17-18 Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. Uh, let's see. 23, 17, 24, 17, 18, 24, 17. Don't, this, this was a powerful one. Don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble. For the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. I know no one in here has ever done that. Hmm. 
17, 18, 30, and 34, 30, and 34. I walked by the field of a lazy person the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Kind of quite a few things to say about being industrious, right? And so when you think of the Puritan work ethic, where do you think it came from? Right here. By the way, it's not just the Puritan work ethic, it's actually the Bible's work ethic, just clear on that. Uh, wisdom for successful living. Uh, chapters 25 through 29 then is, uh, there are some more Proverbs from Solomon that were collected under King Hezekiah's reign. And King Hezekiah is a couple hundred years later than Solomon. And so Hezekiah seems to have run across some more of Solomon's Proverbs. And the Lord directed him which ones to gather up and to put in here. And so 25 through 29 are some other collected um, points of wisdom, probably from Solomon that Hezekiah collected. 25, 1 through 15, if you ever go meet the king or queen, you should read the first 15 verses there so you know how to act. Yeah, I wouldn't want you to do anything silly. Uh, 25, 18, and 19, we, we move into interpersonal relationships again. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. From God's perspective. Uh, let's see. 18. Oh, 19. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Be reliable, right? <laughs> Be reliable is the point of that. Uh, 26, let's see. Oh, let's talk about, no, wait, 26, 17 to 19. 26, 17 to 19. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. You've heard that one before. So many times, though, we think we can... Stick our nose in there, don't we? <laughs> and, and bring peace. And what usually happens? I get my arm chewed off. Let's see. Um, uh, what's the next one? 26, 17, 19. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, 26. Oh, oh, how about this one? 26, 18, and 19. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. You, you want to know why James talks about our speech in the New Testament? Mm. 
fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. All of these dealing with difficult people and difficult situations. 27, faithfulness in love and friendship. 27, 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Anybody ever had an experience like that, truthfully? Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. They do it, too. They kiss you on both cheeks. Uh, Let's see. 28 and 29, the need for law. Okay, 28, 2. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily, but wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. Great thing for us to be praying for in this election cycle is wise and knowledgeable leaders. Uh, Let's see, let's have another one, four. To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Uh, Verse four, that's 28, four. Verse seven, young people who obey the law are wise. Those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. 14. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. So the need for law. Chapter 30, then, we go to the sayings of Agur. Uh, we don't know who this person is. He is not an Israelite. He's not a king of Israel or Judah. So he's got to be a Gentile king. And evidently he was wise, and the Lord decided to include this wisdom in this wisdom literature. 37 through 9. Oh, this is so good. I, I give these verses to people who, uh, wow. Her. Okay. Not trying to step on any toes here, um, but there are people who will use their last dollar to buy a lottery ticket, you know, like at a gas station. Um, listen, listen to what, and I've had people say, well, uh, it goes to the schools. I said, well, why don't you just take the dollar to the school? Just drive it to the office and give them the dollar. Okay. Here's what, here's what he says. Oh, God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Is that good? That's wise. That is so wise. So many people today, oh, if only I were rich, and all the people I would help, and all, hmm, it's not true. It's not true. 
The lottery winners, have you read the statistics of lottery winners? It's horrible. They wind up, after just a short amount of time, more in debt than they were when they, before they won these gigantic things. It, it doesn't, money is necessary, but it's not the end of things, which is his point. What's the end of things? Wisdom. Wisdom. Who is wisdom? Jesus. Wisdom is worth more than all of that. Uh, 31, 8 through 9. You knew I was going to get to this one. The sayings of Lemuel. I'm only going to do verses 8 and 9. Verses 10 through 31 are wonderful verses um, about uh, an amazing wife and Many of you ladies fall into this category, though you would never take that for yourselves. Verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Is that amazing? Remember Jonathan this morning talked about the passive person? Remember the passive people at the cross? Who, you know, on the scale of things, they were kind of at the, <laughs> the good side of the rejectors, that they were passive. Sometimes we can perhaps be a little passive. <coughs> speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Who might that be? Lots of people. The, certainly the poor, the needy, the unborn, we try to speak up for those who cannot speak, ensuring justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Walk this way. We've just done a little bit of dabbling and sampling in here. Hopefully this will give you a little grid. Laurie gave you a wonderful chart. It's got colors on it and circles. What it does is it has maybe six, I can't can't see, is it six or seven rings? And so if you want to learn about a certain theme, follow the ring, and you can see by chapter if if there's a lot said about it or a little said about it. That's the size of the circle. Okay, so like one of them is pink, And as you go around the circle, there's a whole bunch of chapters in a row that have a pink circle in that little sliver. And then you get around to one chapter, and it's it's got a big, giant pink circle in it, meaning, in their opinion, a lot is said about that topic in that particular chapter. So that's a really good chart. Then then there's a chart on the back that lists some things by... um, um, item or issue or characteristic, and someone has... Um, put as many proverbs as they can find into those different categories. So it's a great reference for you. So walk this way. How? Walk this way. Chapter 31, general truths. In general, Proverbs reminds us of two things. First, we can pick our choice or we can pick our consequence, but we can't pick both. 
You can make your choice, but there is a consequence attached, and a consequence doesn't always have to be negative. Consequence can be positive. When you make the choice, there's a consequence that comes on the other end of that stick. And when you pick up that choice, you've got to pick up the whole stick, the choice and the consequence that go with it. And if you say, well, I don't know which to choose, well, then pick your consequence and back it up to the choice that's required. Does that make sense? So Proverbs in general reminds us we can make our choice or we can pick our consequence, but you cannot have both your way. Second, those who aren't in submission to the Lord cannot be biblically wise. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If someone does not have the fear of the Lord, they cannot be wise, biblically speaking. Jonathan did such a great job of talking about this this morning. Have you entered into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? If not, you cannot be wise. And none of what we've talked about the past hour applies to you. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, then the fear of the Lord needs to be before your eyes, and all of these things will apply to you if you make these choices. If you're not in submission to the Lord, you cannot be biblically wise. How about somebody who's living in gross, unrepentant sin? Is the fear of the Lord before their eyes? Probably not. Can they be wise? For that period of time, they really can't. They're not in submission to what the Lord is asking them in that relationship. I'm not saying they cannot be wise in the future, but in this particular season, they will not make wise, biblically wise choices. You see what I'm saying? How many? We've all run across people that like that. Big themes, and I want you to... Oh, uh, this is so cool. Some big themes from Proverbs, and Laurie's charts are better than these. There's just a few of them. Unless it's righteous, avoid anger. It's a big theme in Proverbs. Another big theme in Proverbs is the tongue. Talking too much, talking too soon, telling lies, flattery, quarreling, exaggerating. Egad, there's a lot on the tongue in Proverbs. Making and keeping peace with people. Big theme of Proverbs. Keep your, keep your ear tuned to that word, peace. Learning patience. Being kind. It's beginning to sound somewhat familiar. Demonstrating goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And exercising self-control. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. (laughs) Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the Old Testament, the Old Testament fruit of the Spirit (laughs) was a whole book. Here's how you do peace 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the New Testament, everything changed. I got the Holy Spirit. And guess who now is at work in me for peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? These people are like, how do you do these things? I don't know. We got the Spirit of God who's working in us to bring about these same things. Pretty amazing, pretty fun, great stuff. It's almost like somebody knew what they were doing when they wrote this thing. Isn't that strange? Okay. Big themes. Look at those big themes in Laurie's handouts. The son must learn to follow wisdom's counsel. Unlike the fool, unlike the simple, unlike the mocker, he must become wise. He must listen to wisdom, learn from others, obey what he hears, store up what he learns, flee from folly and sin, watch his words, and work diligently at his job every day. Are you, am I, walking toward wisdom? Do you listen or seek her instructions? Do you learn from the experiences of others? Do you obey what wisdom says to do? Are you storing up her treasures? Is your first response to folly and sin to flee? Are you watching your words? Are you working diligently at your job? This is how someone who is rightly related to God through faith lives out every aspect or facet of their life. Thoughtfully, diligently, by the book. For next week, read 1 Kings 5-9. through We'll pick up the story again of Solomon in 1 Kings 5-9. through And that will be great fun. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our time in it. Would you... Uh, Take what is yours, would you apply it to our minds, sink it deeply into our hearts, ingrain it in us like a sponge. If we were squeezed, the water of your word would come squeezing, ringing out of us because we're so saturated with your word. Would you help us to be those kinds of men and women and lovers of Christ? Uh, We want that and we pray that you would do that in us so that through us, uh, your name would be glorified and people would uh, celebrate uh, your name and uh, all the good that you do for all mankind all the time. We thank you and we love you and we pray for this, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.